1965, Paul Harvey made that statement. And like a prophet, it has come to pass. The only hope that we have for America, we must have an awakening. I'm not a preacher of gloom and doom. I stand before you each and every week and I preach a positive gospel because our God is a positive God. But we're also realist. We understand the times and the seasons that we live in. And we don't live our life by the signs, but we don't ignore the signs. And the coming of the Lord is soon upon us. Isaiah chapter 60 today, I want to read for your consideration it's a scripture that probably is no not foreign to you, but I want to read it in our hearing this morning. <clears throat> Isaiah's words of the Lord came to him in verse 60 and said, Arise and shine for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to the light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see they are together all together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned into you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Amen. Now, in reading this text, you may think that it's just an Old Testament word to Israel. But if you will read this chapter in its entirety, it is very clear that God is talking here about the end times. He is talking about the coming of the, the second coming of his son, Jesus Christ. And so... What I know here today is this, in studying history, that when God plants wheat, the enemy comes and plants terror. And while we sleep, the enemy comes and sows wheat among the terror. They grow up together. And it's not until harvest time that they are separated. We are living in a day whenever the world systems have failed. We look at the political system, that's a failure. We look at our educational system, and it's not against people that are in education, but that we have, we have seen failure in that. Not because we don't have great teachers, but because of the system has failed to teach the real history. 
and what we are about in America. We see that the, the political system has failed, the educational system has failed, the banking system has failed. The systems of the world have failed around us. And now we can no longer play church. We can no longer just show up to church. But we must be the church. And you see, if we could just look today, and if you would indulge me for just a few moments in looking at history. In the 1800s, in a dark time in our nation, there was a time that they call the Great Awakening. In the early or in the mid 1800s, in 1857 to 1910, there was what was called by some theologians the Second Awakening or the Second and the Third Awakening. Uh, we'll let them debate that on how it turned out, but I do know this. I know that in that awakening that D.L. Moody's voice was profound. I know that, that there was a man by the name of Charles Finney that touched the nation and rocked what culture had said that it would, was supposed to be. And it caused people to turn and stand for firm on their convictions. It caused people that to be led to prayer and intercession. And out of those prayer meetings came what was known as the Great Awakening. And even in history, you don't have to believe what I tell you today as pastor. You can read it in history that they say that one of the things that formed the culture in the 20th century was the Great Awakening. That it was what caused people to have morals. It was what caused people to have a, a, a that developed the culture of the day was this great awakening that took place in Azusa and around the nation. And so awakening is different than a revival. A revival and awakening are not the same in one. A revival will, will take place from somewhere between one and four years. We look and we see that that was the case uh, at the Wells Revival. We see that that's the case at the Brownsville Revival. That is something that takes place and it takes place for one to four years. But when there's an awakening, awakening lasts 30 to 50 years. It's more than just a service in the church. An awakening floods the culture of the day. It floods the marketplace. It floods the school system. It goes into the workplace and it overcomes and develops our culture in our homes. It affects the seven mountains of culture. It affects the sports arena, the bank arena. It affects the educational system and the governmental system. It is the, at the same time that there was a great awakening taking place. Place in uh, in the eight, late mid 1800s till 1910. At the same time that that was going on, there was a woman by the name of Alice Ann Bailey. Alice Ann Bailey was born in 1880 to 1949. 
She is the mother of the New Age movement. At the same time that there is an awakening, the enemy comes and sows terror among the wheat. And in 19 and 10, she says that she channeled a demon that told her a 10-point plan or strategy for the new world order. I want to read them to you today in your hearing as she wrote this in 19 and 10. She said, number one that we must do is we have to take God and prayer out of the educational system. If we are going to be successful in changing the culture of America, we have to take prayer and educate out, out of the educational system and God out of the educational system. She said, number two, we have to reduce parental authority over the children. Where that no longer do parents train their children, the children train their parents. Kids are in control today. Number three, we must destroy the Christian family structure where no longer it is a man and a woman said, went on to say we must promote sexual activity Make it free and fun. Number four, we must make abortion free and easy. Number five, we make divorce easy and legal. Number six, we make homosexuality an alternative lifestyle. Number seven, we debase art and make it run mad because the art is the language of the spirit. Number eight, we use media to promote and change the mindset. Anything sound familiar? Number nine, we create an inner faith movement, promote, Promote other faiths to be at par with Christianity. And as we do this, we take God off of the throne and puts man in charge of his own life. Number 10, we get government to make all of these laws and get the church to endorse it. The new world order is not coming. It is here. And while the church has been asleep, the enemy has diligently been sowing its seed these many years to accomplish what has been spoken in 19 and 10. We have been like a frog in a pot. 
And for the past 50 years, they've turned up the heat slowly and changed it until we no longer recognize what good is. And we don't recognize what evil is. If you come for a theological discourse, today was the wrong day to come. I'm just going to preach to you from my heart today. Because I want you to understand that, 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 that we are in the end times. We are in the last days. We are in a time when God's church, it, it is an a, a alternative, but we must arise. We must arise. For the past 50 years, we have been put into this pot and we have the, the, the temperature has been turned up till our culture has no longer what it used to be. And religion is in a downward spiral and there are more preachers leaving the ministry today in the church than there are coming to the church. More leaving than there are starting. Let me give you some statistics. I haven't made these up. I've studied them out. 25 years ago, 40% of Americans went to church. Today, 24% of Americans go to church. If this trend continues in 10 years, 11% of Americans will go to church. If this trend continues... By the time that my children have children, there will not be an American church. Unless there's a great awakening. I said it before, I say it again. The only hope for America is a great awakening. That is the reason that I stand before you and I say as a church that we will pray. We will worship strong. We will glorify God. We will push back on that which is pushing on us. And we will declare the word of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on and praise him today. And we must, you say, well, preacher, you, pastor, you preach hard at us sometimes. I've got to. Because what was pushing on us is not a passive spirit. It is a strong spirit. It has deep roots into our culture and into our day. And therefore, we have to war strong with what's warring against us. Amen. We cannot spoil the strong man's house unless we first bind him. Amen. And so therefore, we've, there's got to be a greater force that comes to bind the strong man. And so when that strong man comes, that we can bind up the terror that has been sown among the wheat, and we can declare the word of the Lord and make a shift in the kingdom of God. Amen. And so we must have some people who refuse to be put to sleep by a religious system. Amen. Uh, American church has been inoculated. We've been inoculated. You know, inoculation, what you do to your children while they're still young. 
Huh? And they take that little baby and they inject into it a little bit of the infection, a little dose of the disease, so that their little body will develop a resistance against the real thing. And we have have done that in America. We've got a little dab will do you mentality. We've got a fire escape mentality where that we just want enough of God to keep us out of hell, but not enough of God to change us. We want more of ourselves than we do God. Amen. We're selfish by nature. That atomic nature draws us to selfish ways and do our way, our wants and our desires. But the reality is that until our will, our wants and ways submits to his will, wants and ways, we will never fully experience his power in our lives. And so today we have to understand that we have been inoculated by a system of religion that the Bible warns us about, that in these last days, men shall become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God and having a form, an inoculation of the power, but don't have the power. We live in a day when we accept what's on TV for reality. I told you, and I'm not telling you that I'm against TV. I just don't have time to watch it. I haven't watched the news since election, but I did see uh, some the other day. On, uh, we was in a hotel somewhere and I seen it on the news. And if you didn't know better, you would think that Israel was the devil and jihad was somehow the Christ. And they're not even a, a system. They're not even a nation. And yet the government, the, the antichrist spirit that rages in our nation would want to pervert and twist it until they would say that Israel is the evil and jihad somehow is the one that is suffering at all of these things. But I want to tell you today that we have to sometimes turn off CNN, Fox, Channel 13, and we've got to get a hold of heaven. And we've got to know what, as the sons of Issachar, we must know the times and the seasons in which we live and not only know the times, but we've got to know what to do. Amen. And I believe that today, if we, yeah, give him praise. And I believe if we are sincere and honest with ourselves, we know what to do, but we just don't have the strength to do it. Huh? We know what to do. Some people are saying, I need to be taught. And other people say, well, I just had to go somewhere because I wasn't getting any, any teaching, any understanding. But we know what to do. We, we would be busy till Jesus come if we only did what we already know to do. 
But the problem is not knowing what to do. The problem is that we don't have the strength to do a thing. The Bible said that Israel came to the time of birthing, but did not have the strength to bring forth. He's speaking of the church. I know he's talking about natural Israel, but do we understand that natural Israel is a mirror of spiritual Israel? And so therefore he is speaking to us and he's saying, we come to our moment, we come to our time to give birth, but we don't have the strength to bring it forth. You see, it isn't an easy thing. Sometimes you've got to counteract the work of the enemy. Sometimes you've got to take stand when nobody else will stand. Sometimes you've got to stand for righteousness all by yourself. Amen. But I'm telling you, if you'll stand, the Holy Spirit will stand with you. Hallelujah. You see, I'm telling you these things because they press on me. Just because I'm pastor doesn't mean that I don't deal with things. They press on me just like they press on you. Renee and I over the past year have dealt with the school system. Because of the filthiness they want to inject into our children. And we said we're not going to allow it. We're not going to allow it. Our kids have been embarrassed and humiliated by being the only one sent to a room by themselves. But we told them it's better to stand for righteousness than it is to go to hell with everyone else. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters today, as pastors, if you are not listening and you're not watching to what's being injected into your children in the school systems, you need to pay attention and you need to read the books that they're pressing in on them. We wonder why our nation, we wonder, our school system wonders why they're having a problem with sexting. And then injecting into the veins of the children at the same time, rape, sex, just like Alice Bailey said to do. Get a hold of it. It's wrong for you to to have a Bible in in school, but they got got Wicca books there for them. These are the days in which we are living in. And if the world is not going to stand up, they're not going to get hit in the head with a coconut tomorrow and say, oh, we've been wrong all this time. It's going to be a spiritual experience that will transform their lives. And it's not going to come through the systems of this world. There is only one place that God uses. He said that his church is the gateway of heaven. In other words, everything that's spiritual that comes in the the world of heaven into the earth, it comes through the church. And I know there's a lot of people that put down the church. There's a lot of people that degrade the church. There's a lot of people that say, we don't have to go to church to, to serve the Lord. No, you don't have to go. But if you've got to, if you haven't been inoculated, you will want to go. 
because he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some are, but as you see these days approaching even more, come into the house of the Lord. Why? Because we need the strength of one another. We need the encouragement of one another. We need the prayers of one another that can strengthen us and sustain us and empower us in such an hour that we live today. The church has been inoculated and given a little bit of God, but not too much. No need to sing so loud. No need for all that shouting. No need for all that dancing and praising and carrying on. No need to witness. No need to share your faith. Just keep it to yourself. Just read your Bible by yourself. But don't, don't pray out loud. Don't worship until it affects somebody else. Just get enough so that you become resistant to the greater things of God. Just get you enough until you feel like that you're good enough to make it if he returns. So when his power is manifest, we've got enough and we don't need it. When God's glory is manifest, we don't have to participate in the presence because we've got enough. So when his power is revealed, we feel that we don't have to be involved in that. We don't have to participate in that because we have enough. It's not for us. It's for someone else. Or if the inoculation has really taken, then, then you will resist it and altogether and say that isn't even of God. Until we have this form of godliness, but we don't know real power. You say, well, pastor, I've got enough. When was the last time you laid hands on the blind and their eyes were open? When was the last time you laid hands on the sick and they were set free? When was the last time that you talked to those binding spirits and commanded them to go and they left your family forever? You see, we're fooling ourselves. We think we've got enough because we come to church. But I want to tell you, it's more than just coming to church. It is having an experience and an encounter that transforms not only our lives, but those who are around us. Amen. You see, only in the American church, only in the American church, have we bought into this thing that people are afraid of the power of God? I go to other nations and I go to Presbyterian church. And they're hungry to see the manifest presence of the Spirit of God. I go to Methodist, I go to Baptist, I go to Pentecost, I go uh, all different names. It don't matter what is the label is, what the denomination is. 
It is whenever we enter into his presence, those people are hungry to see the power and the presence of God because they want their lives changed. It's only in America that we have bought into this lie that people will get scared if the presence of God is ministered. We got to let God move in a back room somewhere. But I want to tell you the power of hell that is upon our nation cannot be resolved in a back room. We need a manifest presence of God that not only touches the church, but touches regions and states and our nation and our entire world. And so therefore we must arise and we must declare without excuse, without apology, that we are the children of the living God and that we believe that God is still alive and well and God still does signs, wonders, and miracles. And you may be bound today but one touch from heaven can change your life forever. If you will experience his power, his goodness, and his grace, you can be changed. Darkness can only endure for the night, but if you'll call on him, joy will be in your morning. Hallelujah. Come on and give him praise right here today. I realize that I paint a very dark picture today and I feel the heaviness, but I want to tell you that I feel the anointing to speak this this morning because you see, we are living in a dark time. Only a spiritual ignorant person would suggest to you that this is our best days. But I want you to understand that in the midst of that, there is, the Bible tells us that while this darkness is going on and warns us that gross darkness will cover the people, huh? That darkness will cover the earth, right? It's dark. Darkness represents sin, it represents bondage, it represents everything that the enemy speaks of. But the first thing he tells us in the midst of that darkness is to arise. Right in the middle of darkness all around us, he tells the church to arise. Can I tell you that nothing will ever change in our nation until the church arises? Our systems will never change. Our culture will never change. Our society will never change until the church arises. Why? Because that was the first mandate. He told them in Isaiah, he said, arise. And what will happen when you arise? Amen. It suggests, as we sung a while ago, it suggests for us to arise, we must be asleep. You cannot arise if you're not laying down. Huh? And so he's not telling us to get up a little higher here. He's saying, get up. Arise and shine. Don't just arise. Don't just get up from your slumber and your sleep. Don't just get up from that slumbering state. But he said, wake up and shine. Amen. 
And while we sleep, the enemy has come and sowed terror in the field until what just what Ann Bailey said, or Alice Bailey said would happen is that he has sown seed until all different religions have now in America got the same weight as Christianity. And now there's not only, Jesus isn't only the way, he's a way. And all, all religions, all religions lead us to the happy by and by. Don't that sound good? Whatever you think is God, it's so We're all going to the same place together in the happy pie in the sky. So just live out your life to however you feel is right. And we'll all meet in the big barn in the sky. There's a Greek word for that. Baloney. Jesus said. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. That's what he said. And I believe what he said is truth. Because he said he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. And so therefore what Jesus has declared is so. And so it isn't what somebody else has said, because what I have learned to believe is this, that whenever people start making excuses for their mess, it's because they've got a mess they're trying to hide or trying to say, this is all right. But I want to tell you, it's still not right. We've got to come before the Lord and say, God, we're coming in not as a thief and a robber, but we're coming in the way of the door and the only door is Jesus. Jesus Christ. Amen. While we sleep, the enemy is sowing terror in the field. This thing he said is arise. Nudge your neighbor not too hard and just tell him arise. The second thing he tells them arise and shine. You can't hide a light. It doesn't matter. In fact, the darker that a room is, the less light it takes to penetrate the darkness. And wherever there is darkness, it cannot stay, only can stay in the absence of light. And so therefore, the darkness that is upon our nation is not because that God said that, that, that's the way I want it. It's the absence of the light. It's the absence of the shining. And he told us that we're to be salt and light. If the salt has lost its saltiness and the light has gone out, then there, that's the way that only darkness can prevail. But whenever we rise and we become the light, darkness doesn't have a choice. It must go. 
when we become the salt, people will become hungry for what we have in our lives. Your worship ought to be in such a way that people say, I want the God that there's worshiping. Your life should be in such a way that they look at you and say, I want to serve the God that they are serving. Our light should be shining forth. Our joy should be so joyful and so full in our lives that when we work, walk into the midst of a dark room, that we shine the light in the midst of that darkness, not to put our light out, not to hide it under a candle, not to participate with the darkness, but just step right in the middle of darkness and say, I'm here to change this thing. I'm here to turn it around. You see, the problem is we don't believe that we are world changers. We don't believe that we can change a school system. We don't believe that we can change a region, let alone a state or a nation. But I declare to you today, if we grab hold of the promise of God, if one person can release darkness in the earth, then certainly a church that will arise can affect its culture, can affect its generation, can affect what is going on around about us. We are salt. People ought to be thirsty for the things of God because of us. If you go to poor restaurants, they put a lot of salt in their food. So you drink a lot of water so that you don't eat their bad food. Huh? I'll just let you in on that. If you didn't know, that was the trick. But in the church, we are to be salt, making people thirsty for the things of God, making the world hungry to say, I've got to find out what they have that I do not have. I've got to experience what causes them to be so happy. Do you see what Sam went through in his life? Do you see what Sally went through in their life? And yet in the midst of it all, they still had that smile on their face. They still had some kind of joy in their heart. I've got to find out what it is that makes them have expectancy in their life when it looks like that all hope is lost. Come on. I've got to find out why it is that they are so joyful and so happy. Why are we doing this? You see, the reason that we must be salt and we must be light is because darkness has covered the earth and deep darkness over the people and no reverence for the house of God, no reverence for the things of God. Everything is left up to man and his right, his what he thinks is right is right and what he thinks is wrong is wrong but I tell you today that there has to return a passion to the church yeah. 
People can line up. Apple will tell us that they're putting out a new iPhone. And crazy folk will go sit outside for two days. Huh? I know I just called some of you crazy. (laughs) Crazy folk (laughs) will line up for two days so they can get in on that first batch of a new iPhone. And can't get up on time to get up in the house of God. I know we all have things happen. Come on. I know we all have issues we deal with and we've got things and we've got stages of life where that, that things press in on us. And sometimes I'm not talking about, about us coming into the house of the Lord late every once in a while. I'm talking about it becomes a habit that it isn't important to worship. It isn't important to hear the word. It's just the lethargic spirit that has come upon our nation and upon the church. But where is the passion? Where is the passion? Excuse me for reminiscing and I'll try to get along quickly. But I remember as a young boy growing up, Whenever I came in on the end of the great awakening, the move of God, I remember as we would go to church and you have to go early to get a seat. Where the people were hungry for the spirit, where they were hungry for the word, where they were hungry to worship God. I remember many times whenever church had not ever officially started, but someone would get at the piano and someone would get at the guitar and the drums and begin to worship God even before service ever started. And the Holy Spirit would start convicting folk and they would come and cry out to God and say, I need to be saved before church ever officially got started. I thought of a man this week and mom and dad were there. I remember a Sunday night whenever a man came in, he was on the organ and he was playing. But whenever in the midst of the worship, he crawled off of that organ and said, I need to get right with God. Why? Because there's passion in the house of God. There was worship that was released and in that atmosphere, men begin to cry out and say, I need to be saved. Come on. I want to tell you, we've got to have a passion again. I'm not telling you we got to show up two days early, but I'm saying when we come, we ought to be excited like David, that I was glad when you said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. The church used to be passionate about the things they believed. In fact, it went beyond passion and they become dogmatic. Huh? I'm not telling you that's right. Thank God that's over with. Come on. But we've swung from one side of the pendulum to the other. A few years ago, you wouldn't be able to come up in the church in a short sleeve shirt, men. Because folk would lust after those elbows. 
and everybody was going to hell. Huh? That's right, Pastor Jimmy. Amen. I remember preaching in one and came out evangelizing and come out and the pastor asked me, I had a short sleeve shirt on. He said, you're going to wear that. I said, yeah, but I got a coat. You know, you had to have a coat on and a tie during those days. I said, I got a coat. Oh, no, God knows that short sleeves. I said, yes, sir. He was, he was a pastor, so I went and put me on a long sleeve, and I didn't feel any more anointed in it than I did in that short one. But, hey, people had conviction. Right? And I know that we, a lot of people have been hurt by that kind of foolishness. But I also know we've swung to the underside of the pendulum now to where nothing's wrong. And we want God to add his blessing to our nothingness. But where is there got to be balance in this thing? Where that we believe the word of the Lord. We believe in the sanctity of marriage. We believe in the right for a child to be born into the earth. We believe that, that, that heaven is real and hell is hot. We believe that Jesus was born of a virgin Mary. We believe that it's only by the blood and through the blood of Jesus Christ that died and was buried and rose again on the third resurrection morning that I have a blessed hope and that you have a blessed hope. And so therefore, no matter what people say, and there's many roads to heaven, oh, the devil is a liar. It's by the blood and through the blood alone that we are able to go. It's not of our righteousness. It's not of our goodness, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. The church used to be passionate about things. They believed in things. They witnessed to people. When was the last time you witnessed, shared your faith? It used to be about the Heritage of the church. You got saved. Your life was changed. Now you start telling other people, your friends, your co-workers, you tell them about Jesus. And as a result of them seeing that life of yours changed and as a result of you telling them, they would either, you would have the privilege of leading them to Christ or they would come to church and give their life to Christ. Not because of what was sung, not because of what the preacher preached, but because they seen the life change in you. And you told them what that was happening in your life and your life was so changed that you was a testimony to them. He tells us the glory of the Lord has risen up on you. That's you. That's me. Right in the middle of darkness, the light shines. Huh? He didn't say that God was going to arise. 
He said that in Psalms, right? Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered as wax melts before the fire. So let the wicked perish in the presence of God. But he's not telling us that in this last day. He said in this last day, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. How is that knowledge of the glory of the Lord going to cover the earth? It's got to come through you and I. Amen. It's not coming through God. It's not coming through Jesus. They've already done all they're going to do in the earth. Now he's saying, I'm going to arise upon you and you're going to shine. And the glory is going to be revealed through you. And so we become conduit for the glory of God to flow through. We become agents of change because the glory of God has risen upon us. And because it has risen upon us, we rise, we shine, and we show the world the way to Jesus. He's watched this. He said, the Gentiles shall see, shall come to the light. What is the Gentiles? The Gentiles are the outcast. The Gentiles are the sinners. The Gentiles are the dogs. You remember that Gentile that come to Jesus and said, would you heal me? And he said, it's not meat to give bread to the, uh, 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 the children's bread to the dogs. And she said, I don't need the bread, but all I need is the crumbs that fall from the table. Amen. And her life was changed because he said, I've never seen such great faith in all of the house of Israel. Amen. It is Gentiles, those who are in darkness, those who are bound, those who are tormented. My brothers and sisters, those people are not bad people. They're just bound by the dark and they need a light to shine forth. You can't get out of a dark room unless there's a light that shines in the darkness. And I tell you today that there are multitudes of people that are looking for a light to lead them out of the darkness of their life. There isn't a person bound to drugs today that wants to be bound. There's not a person today bound to pornography that wants to be bound. But they need to see a light coming forth in their darkness that will set them free. And I tell you today, we must be that light in a dark place. We must be the ones that we will dare to arise. God said, I'll cause you to shine and the glory of the Lord will bring the sinner out. It will bring the Gentile out. It'll bring that one that's bound in darkness and show them the light to Calvary. Not only are the Gentiles, not only are the outcasts or the sinners, but he said, kings will come to the brightness of your rising. It don't take a real rocket scientist to figure out that kings is talking about people in high places of authority. What we, I mentioned it the other week, but what we have done in the church is we've, you, you, you all remember uh, Kmart used to have those blue light specials. I grew up running to blue light specials in Kmart. And what I found out was when that blue light came on, what it really meant, nobody else wants this. 
But if you're willing to take it home with you, we'll give you an extreme discount. But I want to tell you today that the kingdom of God is not a blue light special. It is not something that you people say, well, you know, we, we have made it in the church that you only come to the Lord when you're down and out. And the only ones up in the church today, this is the culture of the day, suggest that if you go to church, you just, you just can't get it done. And the reason why you sing in the church is because you can't make it in the club. Huh? I'm telling it better than you're letting on. You might as well face reality. Come on. The church is full of can't get it done people. And the only reason that we're in the church is because we resorted back to it because we can't get it done in a club. We're, we're second rate this and we can't get it done. We don't have leaders in the church. We don't have people of strength. We don't have people of integrity. We don't have educated people. The, the culture suggests to us that if you go to church, it's because you're weak, man. That if you participate in the church, it's because you can't use your gift isn't good enough to be used in another arena in the world. But I want to suggest to you today that the devil is a liar. And that the body of Christ hasn't got, isn't full of people that cannot get it done. But the house of God is full of people that can reach a nation, that can touch a world, that are world changers. We've got people that are highly educated. We've got people that are not down and out, but up and out. And somebody's got to reach out to the kings and tell them, you don't have to be a drug addict up underneath a bridge somewhere till you come to Jesus. But you can be in a high an exalted place and you still need his wisdom. You still need his direction. You still need his help because you cannot do it by yourself. He said, kings will come to your rising. Leaders, I believe leaders are looking for the light. Notice it does not say darkness will leave. But in the middle of darkness, the glory of the Lord will rise upon you. In the middle of what's going on, there has to be an awakening, my brothers and sisters, to the realization that Jesus still is the answer for the world today. And among them, there is no other because Jesus is the way. I come to you today with passion in my heart. I come to you today as pastor and leader of this house that Renee and I are so honored and blessed to lead and tell you that we must have an awakening. There must become hunger in our hearts for the things of God.
not just to show up on Sunday morning and then go through the rigors of life only to return again and get inoculated for another week. But there's got to be a hunger inside of us that through the week we're in the word of God. We're in the place of prayer and intercession and seeking the face of God. That when we come to the house of the Lord, we're in another level, we're in another realm, we're in another place. Come next week because we haven't been laying around lethargic through the week, but we have we had a hunger and an appetite. And you know what that's going to happen? It's going to cause pull on leadership. It's going to pull on me. Amen. And it's going to take us together to another level, to a spiritual awakening and the revelation of Christ that we have never seen before. Amen. It'll cause those who, who teach the word and study the word, it'll cause us to go deeper because we're hungry for the things of God. And in the middle of this darkness, there must be a spiritual awakening. And I told you, I heard myself a few weeks ago, I heard myself tell you, and I went back and watched it on video, make sure I said it. But I heard myself tell you that over the next 10 years, that there would be more people brought into the kingdom of God than there had been in history altogether. That didn't come out of my mind. It didn't come out. It came out of my spirit. It came out of what I was feeling in my spirit to declare to you. And I'm telling you that there must be a great awakening. Not just for the nation's sake, but for the kingdom's sake. I refuse to live in a nation where there is no longer Christianity and there's no longer a church. If Jesus tarries, I refuse to leave a nation to my grandchildren that do not know the things of God. But I boldly proclaim and declare that we will not see it and the, the Christianity will not be abolished in America. But I declare to you there will be a great awakening in our nation, that we will return to prayer. We will return to the things of God. People will become hungry for the things of God again, and we will cry out to him. And in the midst of our crying, heaven will kiss the earth again, and signs and wonders and miracles, and people will find hope, and they'll know the joy of God. They'll know the peace of God. They'll know the hope of God. Why? Because we have sought his face and heaven has once again touched the earth and we are preparing for the coming of the Lord because I tell you simultaneously there's a darkness that is covering the earth but he said in the last days I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams on my servants and handmaidens. In those days I will pour out of my spirit what are you saying, Pastor? Don't look for the darkness to dissipate, but look for the light to shine in the middle of it because God is going to reveal his glory in this last day. <laughs> We're not leaving here in the shape we, we are in right now. 
Did you hear me? I'm about to shut up, but we're not leaving here. Like the shape we're in. The Bible says what kind of church that the Lord is coming back after. He's coming back after the same church that he left. Amen. And we don't look nothing like. I said we don't look nothing like the church he described. And I'm being too honest with you. I mean, we can play titter-tat and we can play, I'm okay, you're okay, and let's just smile and everybody smile and we all smile together. Or we can get real with ourselves and we understand this is not the church that Jesus Christ died for. This is not the church that he's coming back after, but he said, I'm coming back for a glorious church. A glorious church is not mocked on late night TV. A glorious church is God is not humiliated and embarrassed. A glorious church is not one that's holding on and holding the fort till he comes. But a glorious church is a church that knows who their God is. They are strong and doing exploits. They're reaching into the gutter and pulling them out by the power of God. They're laying hands on the sick and they are recovering. They're declaring the goodness and the the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord is operating and ministering in people's lives and we need to arise and shine. Why? Because we have got to be the light. We've got to be a light to our sons and our daughters. We've got to be a joy in the midst of depression. We've got to be a hope, a wellspring of hope in the place where people are taking their lives because they have no hope for tomorrow. I declare to you that it's just not a good idea, but there must be a spiritual awakening in our land today. He said, when this happens, your heart will swell with joy. I know some folk that need that right there. You didn't know any better. You wouldn't know they're saved. Grumpy. Ugly looking. Huh? Look like somebody drug them through the mud hole backwards. And they ain't got no help. They ain't got no joy. Come on. But he said, when the light comes on you, when you begin to shine, he said, I'm going to fill you. Your heart's going to overwhelm with joy. How long has it been since you've seen somebody so excited for God and the things of God that their heart just was overwhelmed with joy? They had light up the room because they believed and the God that changed their life could help somebody else too. <laughs> Amen. Then your heart will over, be overwhelmed with joy. Joy is a great commodity in a dark world. 
in a world where people don't have any hope. I'm done. Come on, Jamie. In a place where sorrow overwhelms peace. In a time when there is no trust, people don't trust the government, they don't trust people, they don't trust leaders, they don't trust at work, they don't trust even in their own homes, and it overflows into the church that there's no trust for the leadership or the word of God. 